known Pastor Larson for many years and just appreciate his faithfulness all these years in different places where God has, has led you and we've been able to be in several of those places and uh, just exciting to see the Lord working and, and, uh, in your life and your family and to see uh, your children now all over the world and what a blessing that is. Well, it's, um, it's a great conference. Uh, to me, it's the, the best conference of all. Um, and so many things could be said about it, but I think it's the most important conference for a church because it really helps them to, to get a vision away from just themselves Amen. and to see that uh, God is a big God yeah. and He's concerned not just for our area, but the entire world. Yeah. It's an amazing stat. When you were born, there were 3 billion people. Is that what you're saying? And yet, now there's 8 billion, and yet God knows every one. We, we kind of get our eyes on ourselves and just think God is concerned with just our life. But understanding all the things that are happening around the world, God loves every one of those people the same. Uh, I think of, and this is, not, this is totally off topic, but you think of the situation that's happening in Israel. You know God loves those Palestinians? Those Hamas killers... God loves them. God desires for them to have everlasting life. Now, man makes a choice to do what he wants to do. And man makes a choice, but God has already set the consequences. Man doesn't decide the consequences. And so those, those people choose their own consequence. But that doesn't take away from the fact that God loves them. And so during this conference, as Pastor said, it kind of helps us get our eyes off of ourself and get our eyes on that God loves the rest of the world as well. Now, what is our, our part in that? If you take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8, a very familiar verse this morning, but hopefully uh, in the next few minutes we'll just kind of think a little bit differently about it. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Uh, most of us maybe could even quote it or sing it. It's a scripture song as well, but uh, I just want to notice a certain part of it. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. I want you to notice the last part of that, called according to His purpose. Now, when we were little, we, we grew up kind of thinking about what we wanted to be. Race car driver, fireman, a policeman, the president, an astronaut. So many wonderful things that we kind of had a desire to do in our life. And I think most of us, maybe there's some that actually did that thing that they had a desire to do. But most of us, we, we said, okay, astronaut, <laughs> I'm scared of heights, so I don't think that's going to work. Or I'm afraid of fire, so a fireman's going to... You know, our desire kind of changed or the Lord directed us in a different way. But we all had a desire about what we wanted to do. But what I want to bring about this morning, just for a few minutes, is what is God's desire for our life? What is His purpose in our life? Because God created every one of us for a purpose. Every person God created, He created them for a purpose. Look in Romans chapter 9. 
right there in chapter 8. Go to the next chapter. Romans 9, 17. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. I think most of us would know the story of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the king over Egypt, and at that time Israel was in bondage. Um, and God says here that he raised up Pharaoh to show his name and his power. Now, we all know the story, and that's what happened, right? Was that God's purpose for Pharaoh? Now, before you answer, think. Do you think the way the story happened is what God desired for Pharaoh? Was it God's desire to crush Pharaoh? Was it God's desire to destroy Egypt? But yet he raised him up for the purpose of proclaiming his name and his power. So, Pharaoh did it the hard way. Every one of us has a purpose to give God glory. Now, we can either do it the hard way or the easy way. Because either way, we're going to give God glory. Because when we go our own way and we reap the consequences, God said, I told you that was going to happen. So even when we go our own way, thinking we're doing our own thing and God has nothing to do with our life, we're giving God glory. But that's the hard way. Is that, is that the way God really wanted us to give him glory? Imagine if Pharaoh had said, absolutely, this is Jehovah God over all the earth, and these are his people, and we are going to send them out. I think that was God's original plan for Pharaoh. But Pharaoh said, no, I don't want that. I'm going to have my power. And so God said, okay, well, this is my purpose for you, but it's going to be the hard way. What purpose do you have in life? Get a job, get married, have kids, travel the world, retire, the American dream. Okay, that's not bad, but did God create you so that you can live the American dream? Is that God's purpose for you? What about people who don't live in America? Now, living the American dream is not bad. Praise the Lord. God has blessed America. Truly, he has blessed America. Why? For what purpose? Why did God do what he did to America? What was his purpose there? There had to be some reason. In our life, many people are just floating by. They're just kind of going from one thing to the next, one job to the next, one partner to the next. God has a purpose and a plan for every person here. Every purpose. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse number 8. 2 Timothy 1, 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God has a purpose for every one of us, and it's his purpose. It's not mine. 
It's His purpose. We are here for Him. Go to chapter 3. Paul, in writing to Timothy, told Timothy, you know my purpose. You know what I'm about. You know what God has for me. Look in verse 17. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, etc. Paul said to Timothy, you know what my purpose is. Now, I'm sure there were a lot of purposes that Paul had. And we can see all the things that he did in his journeys and all that he did all over the place. But I think if we go down to uh, verse 15, we can see some of his purposes. Verse 15 says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul wanted people to know the scriptures. Why? Because the scriptures, even for a child, can bring them to salvation. Amen. He wanted people to know, he wanted people to be saved because of knowing the scriptures. Verse 16, he didn't stop with salvation. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Well, what is that? That's separation. You say, how do you get separation? Well, doctrine is what's right. Reproof is what's not right. Very simple. There is right and there is wrong. The world says there's none of that. Just whatever you want it to be. No rules. God says there is right and there is wrong. So if you are going to live a life according to God's plan, you're going to have to separate from the world. You're not going to be able to be like the world because you have to say, this is right, this is wrong, this is the standard. It's not me that decides what's right or wrong. It is the scriptures. All scriptures given by inspiration of God for doctrine. This tells us what is right. It also tells us what is not right. But he doesn't stop there. Correction. Sometimes we don't do what is right. And so we have to learn how to get right. Praise the Lord for that. God tells us in his word how we can get right when we've gone astray. But then he says also instruction of righteousness. That's how to stay right. We can stay right if we follow the word of God. Now, Paul wanted people to know the scriptures for salvation and separation. But the third thing in seven, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. That was service. That's service. God, uh, Paul said he wanted people to know the scriptures because those scriptures, not only it'll bring them to salvation, but it'll help them to be separate from the world. And then it will give them the equipment they need to go and serve the Lord. That's God's purpose. Our purpose is not here just to be saved and sit. What is our purpose? Again, we just kind of fall back on this American dream. Well, I'm saved, I'm in church, but I'm living the American dream. Is that his purpose for your life? You find God's specific will for your life as you begin doing what you already know to do. You see, it says, uh, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect. Now, that's uh, our definition of perfect today means without error, without fault, without sin. That's not the definition when this was written 400 years ago. That definition was complete, sound, mature. You know, the word of God can help you be sound it can help you be complete and mature. It can help you be the person God wants you to be before 
You go and do something. Well, how come I don't know what God's will is for my life yet? You're not ready. Maybe you're not the person God wants you to be. Even Jesus told the disciples, I have many things to say unto you, but you're not ready. You're not ready yet. What? You mean I'm going to die for you? No, 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 no. First of all, salvation. Then separation. Being the person God wants us to be. Making those right choices. Amen. Doing what we know is right. Amen. Then God will show us what he wants us to do. If you're using your life that God gave you for your own purpose, it's not going to work. It is not going to work. Oh, you might be able to do it, but sure not the way God intended. We have a vehicle that we use in Uganda, and it climbs mountains. It is a Toyota Land Cruiser. And this vehicle, there's no luxurious amenities. There's no heated seats or padding, nothing like that. It will beat you to death. But let me tell you, it will climb the mountain. Okay? Now, you take a Lamborghini. Lamborghini is a very expensive vehicle. And it has an incredibly powerful motor. But it can't climb a mountain. You know why? It wasn't designed to climb a mountain. It was designed for a racetrack or a straight stretch of highway where there's no policemen. Right? To go as fast as you can. Now, the Land Cruiser, it can go pretty good, but it's not going to catch a Lamborghini on the straight stretch. But that Land Cruiser will tear apart that Lamborghini on the mountain. Why? It was designed for the mountain. Are we together? Yeah. It's designed for that. Now, yeah. could I take the Lamborghini up the mountain? Yeah, yeah, I could try, but I would destroy it. Because yeah. it's not designed for that. Now, this is cowboy country. Not necessarily Oklahoma State cowboys, but cowboy country, right? <laughs> so a lot of people wear cowboy boots. Anybody wear cowboy boots this morning? Anybody? Okay. Oh, in the back. Um, do you know what cowboy boots were originally designed for? Anybody? Look at, when you think of a cowboy boot in your mind, what are they designed for? Riding a horse, okay? It's got that big gap underneath there, and that's where your foot sits in the stirrup to keep you in the saddle. Try to run a race in them. Now, I'm sure there are some cowboys who live in cowboy boots, and they're so used to them, they could run faster than me. I get that. But how many runners that are running a race... Do you see them wear cowboy boots? No. They've got these light shoes that can, I mean, you probably don't even feel their weight in your hand. They're so light, but yet durable, they can run a race quick. Now, try to ride a horse with those, and you'll probably slip out and off. They're not designed for that. Can you run a race in cowboy boots? Yes, you can. Are you going to get very far? Not very fast. Why? because they were not designed to run a race. What about us? Our life was not designed to be lived apart from God. 
it wasn't our life was designed to work hand in glove with God now we think we know better and some guy who drives a Lamborghini might think he can make it up that mountain but he's not gonna work it's not gonna work remember God created you for a specific plan and everybody's different I look around here and I see a whole bunch of different people but God has a specific plan for each one of you don't look at other people what they're doing God has a different plan for them without fulfilling God's plan there's emptiness unfulfillment confusion go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1 Ecclesiastes chapter 1 if you say where is that well if you can find Psalms Psalms then Proverbs then Ecclesiastes Psalms is the biggest book in the Bible in the Old Testament Psalms Proverbs Ecclesiastes chapter 1 beginning in verse 12 Ecclesiastes 1 12 I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail. Travail? Having everything you could ever want? And it's travail? This travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I've seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. It's nothing. Why? Solomon is writing this saying, without God, I had everything, but it was nothing. It's like there's a hole in man that is never satisfied apart from God. And God made us that way. That was his purpose, so that we would always be looking to him to fulfill our life. He had everything. Everything you could even imagine. And he said, it's nothing. It's nothing. Oh, we think things will satisfy. They don't. We always want more. Always. We get something, we think I'm satisfied, but then the newness wears off and we look at someone else. Oh, they got something better. Go to chapter 6. I believe Solomon wrote this at the end of his life. I believe he saw the error of his ways and then God inspired him to write his um, findings, you might say, about all that he did in his life. Because if you remember the end of his life that it talks about in Chronicles and in Samuel, his wives turned his heart away from God. And I believe at the very end of his life, for however, I don't know the circumstances, but God finally got his attention and God had him write this for us so that we could see that everything no matter what it is apart from God is nothing nothing chapter 6 verse 1 there's an evil which I've seen under the sun and it is common among men a man to whom God hath given riches wealth and honor so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desireth <laughs> Yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity, and it is an evil disease. God has a sense of humor. You labor your whole life, forget God. 
and do everything you can to gain riches and wealth and pleasure, and then you don't even get to enjoy it. You think all this is going to satisfy? None of it satisfies. Because what you're doing is you're taking what God has given you to be used for His purpose, and you don't. Use it for yourself. And it's a waste. It's nothing. You look at what God gave to Solomon, and he didn't do anything with it. Oh, he began right, and the, the beginning was God giving him wisdom to judge the people, to rule the people. Where do you see him ending? Sacrificing to false gods, leading his people astray. What happened to the wisdom? God gave him the wisdom at the beginning to judge and rule the people. Where did it go? You know the story in Matthew chapter 25 where the, the owner uh, was going on a journey and he gave three of his servants th three sets of talents. He gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave one one according to their ability. And he said, you occupy till I come, you be busy with what I've given you, I'm going to come back. They didn't know he was going to come back. Finally, he came back and he goes to the first guy, I gave you five, what did you do with it? Oh, your five gained five. Well done. Great job. You, you did something with what I gave you. That's great. He goes to the second one. I gave you two. What'd you do with it? Well, I gained two. What? You didn't gain five like the other guy? Is that what he said? No. He said, well done. The two I gave you, you gained two. You see, we don't have to compare ourselves. God gives each of us different abilities for his purpose. He gave this guy two. What'd you do with it? I gained two. Great job. He goes to the one. I gave you one. What'd you do with it? Well, you know, I was afraid to invest it and I'm afraid I might lose it. And I know you're kind of a hard man. And so here it is. What? Now, what I want you to notice, you don't have to look it up, but if you read verse 25, here's what it says. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10. Here's my point. God has given every one of us talents, abilities, whatever, for his purpose. If we don't use it for his purpose, he might take it away. He just might. And give it to someone that he knows will use it for his purpose. When you find God's will for your life, you'll find contentment. You'll find satisfaction. We were in Embarada for 15 years, and we began praying about where the Lord would lead us. We felt like the ministry was closing there for us, and we prayed about three towns on the western side of Uganda. There was Fort Portal. It was kind of in the north. Uh, all these were in the west, but kind of in the north. Kasese was in the middle. Kabale was in the south. My first choice was Kabale. The reason being, the language they speak in Embarada is very, very similar to the language in Kabale. We had done translation work of the Bible and uh, John of Romans and discipleship material, Bible college, all this stuff. And my desire was, hey, we can take all that material, we can go to Kabale, and we can jump right in. The weather was really nice there, too. So, of course, that didn't have anything to do with my desire. But second choice was Fort Portal. Beautiful, right in the mountains, right at the foot of the mountains. A beautiful place. The language was a little bit similar, but not quite the same. So it wouldn't really work, but it would help us get started. And, of course, the weather was really nice there as well. So that was my second choice. Kasese was not hot, 
very hot. And the language, it's a hard one. To me, it's one of the hardest of those Bantu languages. And so that was not my choice. So the Lord and I had a discussion about it. And, uh, and I told the Lord all that we could do in Kabale. We can take all this material. We've got all this stuff. We can go down to the language. We know the language. We can just go and jump right in. Yeah. And it was as if the Lord said, I can send anybody to do that. Right. Who's going to go to Kasese? Oh, Lord, why did you say Kasese? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Lord, I'll go. So here's my point. Kasese was not my will. Kasese was not my choice. That was 11 years ago. I wouldn't trade it today. I wouldn't. What God has done in Kasese, in that district, I wouldn't trade it. Not a bit. Is it hot? Oh, it is. And in Barada, we had one fan in the entire house. And that was in the living room when we would had a big group of people come over. It'd get a little warm. We need a fan. In Kasese, we have one in every room. And sometimes we need two. It is hot. And the language, it's still hard. But you know what? I'm content. I'm satisfied at where God has led us. Believe me, it was not my purpose. It was not my plan, but it was His plan. And when you think about it honestly, it was my desire to go to Kasese. I just didn't know it. Because God knows what he created me for. And he knows what will satisfy me when I'm in his will. I didn't know that Kasese would satisfy me. I thought Kabbalah or Fort Portal. But he knew really what my desire was because he created me. And so when I said, okay, Lord, your will be done. Oh, I didn't know I wanted to go to Kasese. But I love it. Wouldn't trade it. I don't know God's specific will for your life. You may not know, but that's okay. You just do what you know God wants you to do right now. And believe me, God will reveal his will. He created you for that purpose. He's not going to go through all this preparation in you and then never show you his will. Why would God do that? Every one of you has a specific purpose. Now... Maybe it's not a missionary. Okay, fine. Not everybody's going to be a missionary. But during this week, this is our focus. If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God does not want you on the mission field. Okay, fine. But somebody here maybe is praying. Or maybe God has been working in you and directing you and giving you abilities and talents and desires for one of these countries. This is the week where God might say to you, Now I'm showing you that my purpose for you is this. You just be the person God wants you to be now. Don't worry about the future. You do what you know now. God will reveal his purpose for you in his time. When you're ready for it. When you're the person God wants you to be, he'll reveal it to you. He wants you to know it because that's why he created you. He is not going to create you for a purpose and then leave you. That's not who God is. Does life always work out perfectly? No, it doesn't. Is life always easy? No, it doesn't. But remember, we're not here for us. God's primary concern is not my comfort. 
It's not to give me a, the American dream and live a comfortable life. Now, if that happens, okay, fine. But that's not God's number one concern for me to be comfortable. His number one concern for my life is that I do His will. And so he's going to show me, no doubt. Yes. But I need to be the person God wants me to be first. We need help in Uganda. Maybe God will call someone here and say, now I want to show you my purpose, and that's to go to Uganda. Maybe it's one of these other countries. Maybe it's here in America. You be the person God wants you to be. And then he'll show you. And then at the end of your, li end of your life, you can be like Paul and say, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And the Lord can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have accomplished not your will, but you've accomplished my will for which I created you for. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Amen? Pastor.